0: Howdy, everybody. Andrew Bray here, sound designer and son of your favorite podcast host, Barbara Bray. And we've got a fun conversation here with Barbara Bray and Matthew Joseph. First off, though, hi,
1: Mom. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. I, I always love when we have this time together and we can just talk and see what we've been up to and mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. and help me introduce all these wonderful people that I talk to.
0: Well, it's one of the things that that, uh, it's so exciting in your podcast because your enthusiasm about the uniqueness of these people's lives and their contributions is obviously clear. But I just love, I love talking with you personally about it and giving the audience a little little taste of just how jazzed you are about these people, even when you're not talking to them. I just think that's just, it's so invigorating.
1: And I should have said talking with them because... I I want to hear their story, and, and this next one is with Matthew, Joseph, and Matt. I just, I am so excited to learn more about him because, one, he has these great books on mentoring and the power of culture, but he's so passionate about it, and he's been out there sharing resources and stories and so much, and I'm so honored that he took the time to talk with me.
0: all right well well uh, let's get to it folks stay tuned for a conversation with barbara bray and matthew joseph
1: i have someone here who i've known on twitter let's see a long time i think
0: i feel like i know you we know each other
1: we've known each other But we've never been able to really get a chance to talk like this. So this is going to be fun.
0: No, I'm excited. Look forward to it.
1: Oh, this is so great. Well, let me introduce you. Sure. Dr. Matthew X. Joseph. And we're going to talk about the X in a minute. All right. I like that. And your title, Director of Curriculum and Instruction at Lester Public School in the greater Boston area. I got it pronounced right. Good for you. You helped me out. And I I just love saying this, is that you've collected incredible insights on how best to support teaching and learning. And you know, that's kind of my direction.
0: I know. And that's why this is great stuff here.
1: And your work has led to nationally published articles, opportunities to speak at multiple state and national events. In fact, you're going to be speaking at one real soon. We're going to talk about. Great. And um, you you have two books. You are the author of Power of Us, Creating Collaborative Schools, and co-author of Modern Mentoring, Reimagining Teacher Mentorship.
0: That, that's accurate. That, that's, all, that's all that stuff. Yeah.
1: Oh, then we could just talk about fun stuff, though. All
0: right. Great. Let's talk about Oakland, California. What's going on out there?
1: Oh, it's, it's going to be hot today. Almost 100. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I know, but I stay inside when it's like that. How about you in Boston?
0: Um, it's actually starting to get a little bit warmer. I was out this morning with my dog taking a walk, and it, I actually had to put a little sweatshirt on. So, And I don't typically get cold, so it was a little chilly, but we're hoping to get up in the 80s or 90s this week, so it's been good.
1: Oh, that's nice to hear. I mean, it's uh, a lot of us haven't been able to get out, so we're going to talk about that too in a little bit. Yes,
0: great. we got we got a big agenda here.
1: But yeah, we have a lot to talk about. Well, This is all about you. This is all about you so I always like to know about your background. so why don't you just tell us a little bit about that
0: Sure so uh, little Matt Joseph grew up in Berkshire County. Um, I grew up with my mom and my sister we grew up just the three of us and it was it was awesome to see her reinvent herself as a youngster myself and when we were um, when I was in second grade we moved. Into to our own house, just the three of us, and had an opportunity to really become close-knit as a family, helping kind of raise my younger sister, seeing my mother put herself through school again, and seeing the importance of education. And during that time when I was, you know, third through eighth grade and that real pivotal years, my aunt Nancy, who was a a professor at Northeastern here in Boston, had an opportunity to spend a lot of time with me. And she's somebody in both of my books that I talked to as my kind of educational superstar who's been there. Obviously, my mother's been there every step of the way in her way. And then my aunt Nancy has been there to support me, encourage me to continue to, to push me along, even when I would have to ride my little bicycle at in, in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, up to my uh, reading support and, and, and help through, through all that. So Nancy has been there for me. So I grew up in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, in Western Mass, real Western Mass, and then attended Springfield College for elementary education, and then had an opportunity to start working in, in Pittsfield in my early years as a teacher, elementary teacher, grades three and five.
1: Wow. Wow. That's kind of... I know Pittsfield. I've heard about some wonderful things there. Yeah, yeah. they do a lot around personalized learning now, and I've heard about it anyway.
0: We were actually the first um, town in Massachusetts to go one-to-one. I was part of that group working with Apple. When Maine did it 17 years ago, Apple came to Pittsfield, and I worked with Governor Angus King to try to start that in Massachusetts, and it was was a great... um, opportunity to see that creativity to see an initiative start well before its time and i hear districts now talking about going one-to-one and i was saying we did this 17 years ago in, in berkshire county bwli berkshire wireless learning initiative
1: isn't that amazing yeah other people are still trying to catch up but start doing
0: it. exactly they're starting to talk about it and we were we were a little before our time and we made some missteps, but I learned a lot as a young at that point, young leader, before I was even a principal, to see, see the power of leadership, but the power of ideas as well.
1: That's amazing. Who was the superintendent that really started that?
0: Uh, well, there were a couple, but uh, Dr. Connors at the time had an opportunity to, to work with Apple, work with our local businesses as well, to raise the money to talk about the, the power of student voice. But it also showed me unfortunately what when there is a change in leadership and that same vision isn't carried forward how that can actually have a district take a step back ah which led me to my next position in a, in a different district in a different part of the state
1: ah well that does happen when you get a different leader and their mission and vision is just going in a different direction and it's not yes. your mission so you know I do a thing on why define your why and i when your yeah. why is challenged, it makes it tough, right? Correct. So what when you were growing up, what was it like when you were a student?
0: Um It was definitely, as I said, I grew up with my mom, my sister. So we had some challenges. We had some both, you know, financial and emotional challenges that I would never say led me into having issues in school. But what it did do is I noticed early on that teachers lowered the expectations for me. They felt Sorry, poor Matt. And boy, did I take full advantage of that. And I played right into it. Like, yeah, it's been a tough night. I shouldn't do homework. And, and I saw early on as a student, if you're not pushed, when I got into high school and early years of college, I wasn't a great student. I had trouble reading. I, wasn't, I didn't have a great work ethic. And so as a learner, though, I picked up quickly that my learning style is I can sit, pay attention, and I soak it all in. And as a a learner in high school, when I wasn't uh, a very strong learner, but then in, in college, at Springfield College, I learned early on that the best way for me to learn is go in and dive in, fully participate, ask questions. People are annoyed if I ask questions. I don't care because the way I learn is to participate. And I told the story, I just did a keynote, actually, I was at a live event a week ago down in Texas. And... I shared a story that my freshman year professor in college saw that I struggled and saw I didn't like to write and let me keep a journal of every single day of my freshman year. And boy, did some of the things she probably didn't want to read. I still have it. And I share that story because she let me be the learner I needed to be. And I succeeded at freshman English. Um, my mom always says, make sure you tell me you got an A too. And it allowed me to see the importance of a powerful teacher and allowing the learner to learn and express their learning the way that fits them the best.
1: That's amazing.
0: And it essentially kept through as an adult learner when I went back to Boston College for my educational doctorate. I was the same student. I didn't, not that I didn't read, you obviously have to read, but my learning style was talk with the professor, get pushback, learn, make mistakes, dive in, do projects, because that's how I learned. And I still learn. I, that's why I love to go to events. That's why I like to meet and talk with people like yourself, because I take so much away as the learner that that's how I process information.
1: I'm like you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I, for, well, my whole life was I didn't have the support in schools and I, I became really shy. I didn't ask a lot of questions. But as soon as I realized I had a voice, you couldn't shut me up. I had to ask questions and that's who I am. And it is annoying for some people, but I feel like you have to, if you want to participate, you may not understand something you have to ask.
0: Yes, and, and, and that's, so that was a learner. That was, And I think that carries into my role as a leader and as a person who's driven. You talk about your why, that is that is my why. My why is to help others turn their potential into power. That is what I, I walk in my passion. I try to do that in the books that I wrote. And I think that's because some people, my Aunt Nancy, my guidance counselor, my letter wrote, you know, I wasn't a great student, but he's a diamond in the rough. She wrote that. And then that freshman year, uh, English teacher. So they allowed me to take my potential and sprout, essentially. And that's, that's my why. And that's my drive at, you know, a 49-year-old educator in Massachusetts. Still, it's the same same mission for me.
1: A diamond in the rough. <laughs> when, how old were you when she said that?
0: Uh, it was Nancy Waikowski, in case she happens to listen. And it was my senior year in high school. So 1989, that was her letter of recommendation to Springfield. Wow. So those are the things that I remember because that drives me now and still as a aspiring leader younger, that I remember that people did that for me and the best way I can show my aunt Nancy, the best way I can show Nancy Wieckowski, the best way I can show the teacher at Springfield College is to carry that kind of vision forward for for education
1: well it's like you're paying it forward it's like if someone does this for you and that's why we can model that and do it for others and uh you do and that's what's so wonderful i love that potential into power is just beautiful so now where are you
0: so jump ahead i am currently now the uh, the director of curriculum and instruction in leicester massachusetts um, is where I'm at. I live in greater Boston area. I live in Millis, Massachusetts. I moved out here before um, when I left Pittsfield, I got a principal's role in Attleboro, Massachusetts. So I was a principal for five years in an elementary school. Then I moved to take I took a role in Natick, Massachusetts, and then I had went to Boston College, finished that, and I had a chance to move into district leadership in Milford, Massachusetts, and then now in Leicester. Both in the um, Milford was more in the to ed tech side of it, the digital learning, and then this role is curriculum and instruction.
1: You know, I, I want to go back to when we talk about your family, there was something sure. we mentioned in the beginning when the introduction was the X. What is the yes. X?
0: That is, a, that is a family name. So I told you my Aunt Nancy and my mom and my Aunt Barbara were all sisters from George Xavier Joseph, and that was my grandfather, and he was somebody who actually at the time Um, lived in Pittsfield and then moved out to Cape Cod and was one of the foremen of when the Cape exploded in, in the building. And one of the things that he always said to me is that I didn't finish high school. And that's my biggest regret. And it's something that I want for you and your family moving forward. And he's somebody that was inspiring to me to see his work as, I wouldn't say uneducated, but not formal education. And then my aunt Nancy kind of carried that forward. And then myself, um, my middle name, Matthew Xavier Joseph, and my first son is Shane Xavier Joseph. And just carrying that forward as our, you know, our smaller family of my mom, my sister, myself, my granddad. And so we carry that little tradition forward. And that kind of went into me as a teacher is that I wanted to be that person, you know, as a younger student, I told you, you know, we had a little bit of struggle. So uh, Teachers were important to me, especially male teachers, because I didn't have a lot of male role models. So that's how I ended up really going in that direction and wanting to be that for the the other kids going through similar things. And that led me to the Berkshire Wireless Learning Initiative, where I saw some leadership. And I saw how leaders could actually shape more than just the 22 kids in their class Um, and had an opportunity to go to North Adams State, which is locally, to get my principal's license and ultimately led to a principal's role. And I saw the power of leadership within a school building. And I love being a principal, love seeing the kids. Um, But I also saw if I really wanted to walk in my passion and, and it's to step away from the individual minutia of leading a school, which is critically important, but having the opportunity to coach and mentor teachers, principals and other educators. And that's what landed me in my district roles, not because I did want to be a principal, but because I thought that was my next evolution in leadership.
1: What a story. <laughs> no, but the, what's great is that um, you see the roles, each role that you've been in. I mean, we didn't talk about you being a teacher. I've, you know, I never, we kind of skipped over that.
0: Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, and I share this, and I share this when I speak to groups of people. I don't, if I look at myself now as a teacher, I wasn't a great teacher. I was good, but I wasn't as impactful and effective as I could be. I think the skill set that I have in a leadership role. It fits better in the education world than me in a classroom day to day. It just didn't fit the things that I really like to do um, as an educator.
1: Well, you are making a difference. And so trying. Yeah. Well, it, it's, a, it's a struggle. I mean, is that why you wrote some book? What so, was your first so book? Was- Which book did you write?
0: So the first book was The Power of Us. And that really stemmed from the research I did at Boston College. And I looked at job satisfaction of teachers and how can we enhance the job satisfaction and really studied the difference of things we have to do. We have to come to work. We have to take attendance. We have to give assessments. So those aren't going to change. So what are some things that building leaders or district leaders could do to impact job satisfaction? And I researched that and saw that culture was one of the ways that leaders could, shift the way teachers stay past year five. And I won't get too deep into the research, but that's typically when teachers either leave the profession or excel. So I wrote a book about the three big findings I found were that when teachers felt valued, when teachers had collaborative opportunities and teachers had someone to mentor them, that's how their job satisfaction increased. So the first book was about collaboration and the second book was about mentoring. So I'm working my way through what enhances job satisfaction to support building Leaders and teachers in that work.
1: Well, I agree with you. That first year is the toughest, and a lot of times, if they don't have a good mentor, it's it's tough for them. But to make it through to year five, especially now, I, <laughs> I don't even know how they're doing
0: it. it. It's tricky, and I think that was a big motivation of writing the book was that there's a lot out there on year one mentors and a lot on mentoring program, but I talk a lot about what happens next. How do you continue that? That's why it's reimagining mentorship because it talks about peer-to-peer mentoring. It talks about leadership mentoring. It talks about peer evaluations and, and, and peer observations and how that works to keep that collaboration and mentoring process moving forward.
1: Are you looking at mentors as other there are other teachers? Or are they someone from the outside? Or how I'm just because I you know, I, I have coaching background. I don't know if you know.
0: That. Sure. And I think coaching and mentoring have a very have similar goals in mind but different paths to get there where one's short-term looking at either a, a goal or a specific skill where mentoring is over a long period of time and building that relationship in, in the long growth of an educator. And I think in the book, just talking about how to make that match, that that's the biggest piece. It doesn't have to be mentoring out of convenience just because the teacher's in the same grade or have an adjoining door. If you don't have styles that you know, support your own growth. And it doesn't matter how close they are. It could be a teacher in a different district, could be a teacher in a different building at a different grade level. And it's about finding the mentee or the person that wants to make that steps, what their needs and, and growth areas are.
1: Does a mentee choose a mentor?
0: If I were to write a book about it, I would say that it really starts with the either building leader. I also, because they get to, they see the strengths of both, Um, and I also talk a lot, and I'm a big sports advocate, so I do a lot. Baseball has a farm system and really training mentors before you actually need them and to see what skills you have, almost like a farm system. And if a teacher comes in who is strong in classroom management, but needs improvement in curriculum development, find the person who's strong in that, not necessarily in the same grade. If somebody comes in with a strong... You know, instructional practice and curriculum writing, but lacks in kind of bedside manner and SEL. Like, get somebody who's going to match that skill. Not so much build on their strengths, build on the areas they need to make a complete teacher or leader, for that matter.
1: So that's that's why you need a good leader because that you're you're building that culture where people are supporting each other. Correct.
0: Yeah, I think I I think so. You're speaking my language here.
1: <laughs> well. I've done a lot of work on coaching and the difference between a coach and a mentor. And sometimes a mentor can even be a kid.
0: Sure. And and I've learned a lot from students. I've learned a lot of what to ask and how to ask it. And uh, that's one of the big shifts I've made in leadership over time when we as adults sit around these big tables and say, what should we deliver? And I was like, well, well, we're, you know, 35, you know, old and up adults. Why are we wondering what 12 year olds are going to want? Let's go ask them. And, it's just helped with a lot of successful initiatives because it starts with what students are looking for. And then we as the adults and who've been in school can say, all right, here's what they're looking for. And here's some either programs or ideas to make it happen.
1: I mean, when we don't ask the kids and we just keep on talking and talking and we're not really listening uh, we, and we wonder why there's some problems, I think we need to stop for a little bit and, and review. And so this idea... I like the idea of coaching and mentoring it hand in hand and also having someone there who can kind of look from the outside in and say, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. I'm noticing, not evaluating, just noticing, observing.
0: Absolutely, because I think that it takes yourself and makes you more empathetic when you can see somebody else's point of view and remove yourself a little bit um, and say, this is how I can help. Not necessarily do it like me, because I wouldn't recommend too many people doing things the way I do it. That's for sure. But I want to make sure how you do it fits your strengths in, in areas the best.
1: Well, that's what you said. It's like uh, turning potential into power. You don't even know what the potential is until you kind of get.
0: You have to. Right. You have to find out, take a step back and and take it all in.
1: You know, now with this crisis, you know, the pandemic and everything else that's going on. And teachers working remotely, I don't know what's going to look like in fall, but how are you doing this now with, with teachers?
0: So I think personally, when we start looking, especially, you know, I would say the last two and a half months working remotely and having this large scale shift and pivot, one of the things that I have said is we haven't really been doing remote learning as much as we use the buzzword. We've been doing emergency pandemic learning because nobody planned for it. Like we're gonna be much in a much better position come August or September when we go back. But one of the things that I really jumped on early and and at first people were like, Whoa, you don't wanna be supportive was stop anything new. Like we don't need to make a website with a hundred other websites to teach reading. We don't need to have seven new vendors. Let's do what we have in place. And we actually called it our core four here in Leicester and the four things that we have been uh, that we provided professional development up to March was, you know, the tool Flipgrid, the tool Nuzella, Edpuzzle, and Padlet. So those were, those were our four major initiatives for instructional technology. So when the school shut down and you see this flood of buffet of resources, and we said, no, we're going the other way. We're going to say our families know these programs, our students know these, our teachers know these Let's do them and do them great instead of offering 50 new websites on how to teach letter formation. Like, let's just do it, th- do what we know and, and try to make it through this because it wasn't remote learning. It was emergency learning. We're in a crisis and we when you're in a crisis or when you're stressed, the thing that pulls you out of it is familiarity and comfort. So why don't we have some comfort food and just eat what we know?
1: So, I'm looking at the tools. Many of them are collaborative tools. So, absolutely. So, how did you get your families? So they all have technology. I'm well,
0: that was a whole nother kind of challenge to ensure so we have a one-to-one initiative. It was um, grades five to twelve, so students had those devices at home, and then finding a way for students in pre-K to to four to come in and get those resources. And we had timed pickups. We had. Um, different ways for students to get those. And then just through communication logs and and communicating with families and our superintendent would send things out. And then every Friday I did what was called the remote learning nugget. Every Friday at one I did a professional development on one of the core four tools.
1: Did you put them up in a video? How did you do that?
0: Yeah, so what I did was a Google meet and it started out with just just our faculty and I just would tweet about it. As you see, I try to put things out there and then other people were, were interested in joining and As of this last Friday, when we had our most recent one, we had 287 people who, outside of Leicester that were interested in just being a part of it. And we do it on Google Meet so I could control who comes in and out. And I've met a lot of people and I've had friends of mine who I would present with at these events come and join in, talk about, you know, Christine Ravesi talked about social emotional learning. She wrote the book Anxious. Don Goble came on and talked about student voice. He does a lot. Michael Earnshaw who's writing a book, a cookbook for culture and does the punk rock podcast. So people would come on and share some of the tools and, and around the core four tools. I had my friend, you know, Jenny, Jenny Long, and Slee Clark come on, and, and Basil Marin to talk about wellness. So it turned into this kind of time to collaborate and, and grow as a, as a district and as educators.
1: I love this. This is wonderful. I, to me, I, um, I like all these tools. I, I and, and the thing that's nice is if the kids have opportunities also to share and what they're doing with them.
0: Right. And I did it during, and I know sometimes it was hard for outside people to attend, but it wasn't intended for that at first because I wanted to make sure our staff, which was at work essentially uh, Friday at one o'clock that they could attend. But I started to record them all. And I actually post them. I know one of the links in, in the show notes will be, you know, mxjspeaker.com, which is my website. And on there, it says virtual PD is one of the dropdowns. And every time I record one of the sessions I post it on there because it's it's free resources for people to to check it out, and it's on the YouTube channel. Again, I'm not saying it in a self promotion way. I'm saying it in a, a collaborative that we're all in this together. And one of the things I've said from the beginning, and I and I believe this when we talked about some of the tools, was we heard the we heard the phrase you know social distancing over and over and over. And I said it's actually physical distancing. We Need to keep away from people. We don't need to not be social with each other we need physical distancing not social distancing so when we looked at the crisis that's how we addressed it and that's how i tried to address it as one slow down to go fast A few things do it really well and then bring others in to really enhance what we're doing and have other people's voices because to be honest with you, after about the third Friday in a row, I got sick of listening to myself. So I was like, who can I bring on to actually do this better than me? And it really, it was, it was great to have both my friends, to see them online and to learn myself.
1: Oh, I know. I'm learning so much. I, Especially now with the Black Lives Matter movement. Yes. I live in Oakland. California and there's been a lot of protests and, and there's been a lot of talk about things that people are very uncomfortable and so we have to be able to have those talks and so that's another thing I'm probably sure you're probably bringing that up also because people are probably wondering what do I say what do I do
0: yeah so my you know I wear a few hats in, in in this kind of lane of of education and leadership and in my Lester hat I shared about professional development and learning tools and instructional but I'm also part of mased which is the Massachusetts affiliate of ased um, and I I was just actually elected the the president-elect coming up in, in the next two years and and we looked at how can we really take take a charge in this the state And what can we do? And, uh, you know, obviously, when the, the tragedies have happened and, and the protests and, and voices need to get out there, I don't have the answers. Like, there's no way I could get up and say, these are the things we should do. So I turned to people I trust. And, you know, Manny Scott, who's a national speaker, who's someone who's helped me along the way in mentoring me and and talking to me about being a speaker, see what he writes. Principal L, I happen to have a chance to meet at ASED. And then one of my really good friends, Basil Marin, who's an assistant principal now in Atlanta, I just called him up and I was like, listen, I want to help, but I don't want to be the guy who steps in it. Like, I want to do the right thing. But I want it to be authentic. So I actually made a video to say, I don't have the answers, but I'm going to use my voice because Basil says to me a lot, you know, not saying something is, speaks volumes. And I didn't want to not say something, but I also didn't want to say something unintelligent um, to make things worse. So I had an opportunity to talk with him. And then I went to the MASED board and said, I want to pull together leaders who have a voice in, in this field, who I can learn from, and that can bring a different perspective. And uh, they agreed. And I reached out to eight amazing leaders who are all coming on, who all are big advocates in equity, who all are either part of ASCD or believe in the mission. Some are my friends, some I've never met. And I wanted to have a, a mix of public school educators Men, women, and that can both educate me. And listen, in Massachusetts, we don't have a ton of diversity outside of Boston, Worcester, Springfield. So this message is important. I'm a 49 year old white leader. And uh, for me to grow and to, for me to model what that looks like, I have to, as I said, as a young learner, immerse myself in it. So I'm going to. Bring people together that can teach me, but also have the opportunity to have other voices heard too.
1: So, as a white teacher in Oakland, in yes. mostly Title I schools, I was immersed but didn't have a real understanding of uh, what it meant to be Black. And so, right. I am doing the same as you. I'm working with Hedrick and others, Hedrick yeah. Nichols and uh, Ken Shelton, and other people who say it like it is and tell me, you know, come on, Barbara, just say it, say it. You're a white person and people need to know what it means as a white Mm -hmm. person and what you can do. And so I'm kind of like you, I'm, I'm open to being uncomfortable only because we need to change the system and we need to be all part of it. And so I'm, I'm, I, I put myself out there and, I'll be sharing some resources with you also because it's kind of interesting.
0: Excellent. No, and I'm excited to, to read that. We did that. I'm part of the group that runs the Culture Ed Chat, and we tried to do that the last few weeks because I just don't know. But at the same point, I want to learn. And I think having that opportunity to not have the answers but be okay saying, it starts with learning. that That's where the change is. And that was something for me that I could read about it. I could I could listen to other people. But if I wasn't a part of it, I'm not going to take it all in, which goes back to little Matt in Pittsfield, how I would learn. And it's it's the same, same mentality now.
1: See, I love that about you is that it's okay to be uncomfortable. But it's also that you want to learn. I found I had to unlearn so much. I had some preconceived ideas that I was brought up with. And mm-hmm. one of the things is that I had to do is figure out Am I okay about that? And like I said, I live in Oakland, which is very diverse. I love my neighborhood. I love when I I moved here on purpose because I wanted to live that kind of life. And I still had my own biases and I didn't even know it. And Hedrick is like, tell everybody. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) No,
0: and I think that's important. For me, it was, again, I believe what you said as well. But I think for me, it was I just didn't know. And it wasn't out of ignorance, it was just about my surroundings. I went to, to Springfield College, but there wasn't a ton of diversity at that time. Then I went to Boston College, and uh, it wasn't for a lack of, this is where I intended to go for that reason, it's, that was just my path. So for me to continue to, to grow and expand my own views, it was definitely something I needed to do and still need to do to, to, to learn. And, and what really struck me was, two, well, two weeks before this actual interview, I don't know when it will be posted. It was Blackout Tuesday, and I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what it, I had not heard of that, and I was hosting a, a Twitter chat that day. It was for FETC, and somebody said to me, "You may not want to be hosting a chat that day." And I was like, "I don't." I honestly didn't know anything about it. They saw my promo cards, they saw things, and they said that it was more for having others have a voice. So I backed off real quick and then learned that what I really can do is have the opportunity to give others a voice too. And that was a learning moment for me. And that prompted this kind of like, okay, if I'm going to give others a voice, I'm not going to invite them into Twitter chat. I want to put them on camera. I want to sit next to them, stand next to them, listen and learn from from people who are going to educate me.
1: Well, here's the thing. I was a social studies teacher and it was amazing. I was teaching lies and didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. So now, yeah. learning about the Tulsa massacre and learning about uh, Reconstruction and what was really happening and all of these things, you know, we we're at a point now where we have to find the real history and be able to share it and be open to being saying, "Well, I didn't know," like you said. I'm learning. Uh, yeah. Well, this is cool. I I'm glad that we're both on the same path. And, yes. and so you're going to be sharing so much. I, I'm really excited about some of the, you know, when some of the things that you put up. I'm excited about what you're going to be doing with your teachers in the fall, because that's going yes. to be an interesting.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And by the time this, this comes out, I'd love for people to connect with me and, and check. I'm actually going to take what we've been doing um, and not in a shameless plug, but more into the sharing side of this. So we did what I called the remote learning nugget on Fridays and it was fun. But now it's summer and I'm trying to get away from the remote news, so I'm just gonna keep it going. We call it the educational learning nugget and try to put out little videos through the summer and have other people join in and just to have these snippets of things that you're learning to to help you to reenter school. So if you listen, go to the, the website that, that Barbara shared, the mxjspeaker.com and on there and that it'll be in the virtual learning site. And just to, you know, I've learned so much from other people, I should be putting this out there for people to learn too.
1: Matt, this is just amazing. I just love this. I, I've learned a lot about you. I know what the X means now, and I know a lot about your life. <laughs> and uh, I'm really honored to know you. All
0: right. Well, thank you for, for having me. And um, it was great to be a part. And we can chat, again, not online or not on podcasts and just connect as as two friends.
1: Oh, I would love that. And we always see each other on Twitter. So we we'll would definitely yes. do more. Good stuff. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This is Barbara Bray. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning podcast and my conversation with Dr. Matthew X. Joseph. Make sure you check out the blog post that goes with the podcast about Matt. And it's on my Rethinking Learning website, and it includes resources about mentoring, those education learning nuggets he mentioned, and so much more. You can subscribe to my website at barbarabray.net. To receive announcements, updates, and if you go, you can even check out guiding questions about my book, Define Your Why. I hope you subscribe to my podcast because we'll be sharing ideas and stories while we're staying home during this crisis. And now we need each other more than ever. All of our stories matter. So keep sharing your story and please stay healthy and safe.